Good morning, and welcome to part three of our series, Effective Prayer. We've been looking at some of the prayers from the scriptures, as well as some of the very simple and effective prayers from the early church. And where we get this title of effective prayer is out of James 5. It says that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. That word effective stood out to me, and I wanted to know, what exactly does an effective prayer look like? Well, it would be one that is successful in producing the desired or intended result. I don't know about you, but I want to make sure that when I approach God, when I talk to God, when I pray to God, that my prayers are being effective. And so in this effective realm, what we look at is how are we approaching God with our lives, with our prayer, and how is God responding to us? One of my favorite authors is John Eldridge, and he says this about prayer. He says, prayer sets up a terrible dilemma. You want to pray. It's your nature. You believe that God can and will come through, but if he don't, where does that leave you? Where does that leave you? I think that many of us fail to pray because of fear. We fear that maybe God won't come through. Maybe we'll have to make an excuse. And in the last couple of weeks with the events that's happening in our country and around the world, fear is in no short supply. And really, Fear is our default mode. It is what we as human nature go into all the time. I know this because in the scriptures themselves, it says 360 times, maybe even more, that God commands his people, fear not. God speaks to us more than 360 times to fear not. Someone said that's one for every day of the year. And so if that is the truth, if that's reality, then that shows us that our default mode is fear. We have a family pet. It's our 65-pound golden doodle, Melody. Melody is mostly a calm and gentle animal. She sleeps most of the day. She enjoys her surrounding. But something triggers in her. Something happens when someone knocks at the door or when there's an alarm outside and she goes into a protective mode. She's going to protect her family. She barks and she squalls and she makes such a noise that there is an excitement that is roused up. This calm and ordinary, gentle and docile animal gets so excited and it gets so worked up because of an instinct. And I think that our instinct many times is that of fear and we don't ask God, we don't pray to God, maybe because of fear. God, our Heavenly Father, is telling us not to fear. So when I know that someone's going to knock at the door or I know that our dog is going to get stirred up, I grab her collar, I pull her close to me, and I say, Melody, it's okay. Calm down. It's okay. And I believe by God telling us to fear not, it's his way of saying, it's okay. It's going to be all right. Eldridge goes on to say this, nothing is more hopeful than the thought that things can be different. The hope, even, that things can change. You can move mountains, and you have some role in bringing about that change. What role do you and I have in the hope that we possess and in the change that we want to see? Well, here's our role. You and I must get into agreement with God's word. For our prayers to be effective, for our prayers to be fervent, we must say what God has already said about us. We must search out and seek out his word and determine what he thinks about us, what he thinks about the matter, and we say that. We don't speak the things that are happening that come to the external senses and want to, to bombard in and cause us to fear. We speak what God has already said. 
And so your role and my role is to get on the same page with God. And let me say this. Your prayers and my prayers speak loudly to what we believe about God. Your prayers and my prayers speak loudly to what we believe God has called us to and what he has called us to do. So simple prayer and powerful prayer does not have to be long prayer. In fact, today I just want to share for the next few minutes a very short, simple prayer. It's one sentence prayer. It's found in the book of 1 Chronicles chapter 4, right in the middle of one of the most boring genealogies of names being listed of this person and that person, we find a man by the name of Jabez. Jabez is only known for one thing, and it's for a very simple prayer that he prayed. Here's his prayer. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed, and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me, that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. Look at this very simple little prayer. Two parts of this prayer that I want to look at. Right in the middle section, we see that Jabez asked this, that your hand, God, would be with me. That the hand of God would be with this very simple, very unknown man. Very natural, very normal man. And that you would keep me from evil. You know, there's a lot being said right now about hands. We're thinking more about our hands probably than we ever have in the past. Wash your hands. Don't shake hands. Be careful. It's by the hands touching something that germs get transferred. And so we're thinking about the hands a whole lot. But when we talk about the hand of God, when Jabez called God, that your hand would be with me, what is he actually saying? We know that God doesn't have a physical, natural hand the way that we have hands, but he's talking about the protection of God. Every time in the scripture that we see mentioned the hand of God, it's referencing the power and authority and the protection of God. It was said of the early church that the hand of the Lord was with them and that a great many, a great number believed and turned to the Lord. You see, I believe right now in our day, right now in this time, right now in America, many are being turned to prayer. Many are wondering what is happening. Many are being turned to God. And it is the hand of God that Jabez asked for that would be with him. I think that we should get back to praying that God's authority, God's power, God's might would be with us, that God's hand would be with us, and that no evil would hurt us. This was the prayer of Jabez. This is the prayer of the early church. This is the prayer of Christians throughout all centuries, that they would beseech God, they would ask God, they would seek God for his protection and his blessing. When we talk about prayer in the form of God's hand being upon us, there's, there's a misnomer that I think that we need to just dispel, and that is that having the hand of God on our lives means that we will face no opposition. Having the hand of God certainly and surely would mean that we would have no trials, that there would be nothing that would happen to us that we can't control. But actually, it is the opposite. The hand of God, the favor of God, the blessing of God causes the enemy of your soul and the enemy of my soul to get so mad and get so angry that he unleashes all kinds of hordes from hell upon our lives. There are all kinds of attacks that come as a result of God painting us with his favor. And so just because we've prayed for And just because we seek the hand of God doesn't mean we won't have opposition. Jesus said this, in this world, you will have tribulation. 
You're going to have trouble. You're going to have trial. He said, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Jesus has conquered. Jesus is victorious. And when we're in Christ, we too are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus. We are victorious just like him. He is our victory. He is our deliverance. It is God's hand that we pray for. It is God's hand that we seek. The Apostle Peter said it like this, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. When we humble ourselves before God, there's many ways we can do that. And I'm not a believer that posture and prayer really makes any difference. You can pray whether you're sitting down, you're standing, whether you're, you're uh, driving in your automobile, you're sitting in your office. You can pray any kind of way. But I think that a universal sign of humility is when we simply bow before God. When we get on our knees and we go before our Heavenly Father, this is a, a humble plea to God. This is humbling ourselves before the Lord when we just simply bow and say, God, I can't, but you can. God, I can't control the things that are happening around me, but you are in control of everything around me. God, I cannot make sense of what's happening in our day, but you have already numbered our days. God, I don't know what the future holds, but I know you hold my future. And we humble ourselves before God, before God's mighty hand. We get to a posture and to a heart attitude of prayer. Maybe it's bowing, maybe it's standing, but it is simply appealing unto heaven, appealing unto God. And when we do this, what we're saying is the results, however they turn out, Anything good that is in me, anything good that comes from me is only explained by God. It's not anything which I have worked for, which I have merited. It is God's free gift of grace. This is humbly coming before God. When the scripture talks about the hand of God, most often it talks about the right hand of God. The right hand was the hand that the father in Old Testament days would put upon the son for conferring a blessing. It was the right hand where the, the, the portion of, of providence and possession was given. And so when the father would reach out to bless his child, it would be a right hand of this is my authority, all of my, my goods, all of my rights I bestow upon you. And so we see in scripture that Jesus is where? Seated at the right hand of the Father. He is seated, which means he is at a rested position. Jesus is not worried. Jesus is not fearful. Jesus is not fretting, but he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And that right hand denotes power and authority. And it's time for you and I to stand as children of the Most High God and proclaim that we have the authority that was invested in us by Jesus, by his death, burial, and his resurrection. And because he lives, we live also. This right hand of God is the power and authority in our lives. This is how that we recognize that God is calling to us for a time of blessing, for a time of prayer. You know, hands really speak a lot to us in, in so many ways of our lives. I remember when my children were small that, that I would reach out my hands and they would come running to me. There was one particular game that we liked to play when my kids were like three or four years old is that they would stand on the bed and I would stand there by the bed and I would let them jump into not just my hands, but my arms. I would just wrap around my arms. And they, they kind of grew accustomed to this. They liked this game. And it wasn't good enough that they would let me stand real close to the bed. They would say, back a little farther. And I would step back. And they would run off the bed and jump. And I would catch them 
in my hands. And as they got more confidence in their father standing there to catch them, they would say, a little farther, and I would step back, and they would run and jump. And they would take turns and just continue to do this and laugh and giggle and have so much fun. But one day, I remember that my daughter was standing on the edge of the bed. We were just about done playing. She said, back a little further, and I went back. And about that time, my son called out to me, and I looked his direction, and my little girl ran and leapt into the arms of her father because she knew he had never failed before. He had never dropped her before. But you know what? I wasn't ready. I didn't have the ability to catch her like I usually did. She went kathud right on my chest and fell onto the floor. Now, fortunately, she laid there and giggled. She thought that it was fun. But as a father, as a human father, I felt terrible. I felt like I had failed my daughter. I I felt like, wow, how did I let that happen? Let me tell you something. God, your heavenly father, will never, ever take his eye off of you. He will never, ever get so distracted that he will not catch you when you're falling. You may feel right now this sense of foreboding, this uncertainty, this anxiety. Some have suffered great loss even in these last couple of weeks. They've lost their peace of mind. They've lost their heart uh, desire. They've lost some dreams. They may have even lost their job. And here's what I have to tell you today, that the hand of God is with you, that God has not failed you that you are not alone. I remember reading a story one day about uh, a man who uh, woke up with the smell of smoke in his home. And as he wrestled real quick to get out of bed and to to go and grab all of his family, he rushed downstairs. His wife was going to grab some of the kids. And he he got downstairs and realized that their 8-year-old son was not among them. And he heard this cry from the second story of their house. And it was his 8-year-old boy standing at the window. And he said, Daddy, Daddy. And the father looks up through the smoke and he says, son, just jump. And the son says, but I can't see you. And the dad says, but I can see you. And God today says this to you. I can see right where you are. I know what's in your heart. I know what you're dealing with. I know what you're going through. And in humble prayer, the hand of God will come and encompass you. And no fear has to grip your heart that God, through prayer, through us humbling ourselves before him, will rush to our aid. Thank God for his mercy. Thank God for his grace. That his eye is not far from us. That he cares for us. This is humbling ourselves in prayer. Effective prayer is prayer that gets the desired result. And that desired result is every time given to us when we incline ourselves humbly before God and we put ourselves in his care. The last part of this middle section of this prayer says that No evil would hurt me, one translation says. No evil would hurt me. This is not the denial of evil. Jabez says, I know there's evil in the world. I know bad things are happening out there to many people. I know that it could possibly bad things happen to me. But God, my prayer is that you take care of me regardless of any potential harm. This is a humble acknowledgement for help from God. It means you can't do certain things on your own. And sometimes I think that we try so hard to be strong, to be big, to to put it all together. And what God is really asking us to do as our loving Father is to give it to Him. I've heard several times this past week or so about the, the feeling that our country has a mood in a, in a sense almost like it, it did at 9-11. And September 11th happened, there, there was such a, a sense of what has gone wrong in the world that, that evil is knocking at our door, that, that things that we never thought were possible were possible. Take the Pentagon, for example. 
our place of military strategy, the place where our country plans and strategizes how to go and to make war. One of the most revered buildings in all of the world. In fact, we thought that it was so uh, excluded from any type of warfare, our nation didn't even try to defend it from attack. What kind of attack would come upon the Pentagon? And then on September 11th, we knew what kind of attack. There was a plane that missiled into that building, killing many lives. And so from that day to now, we have shored up our defenses. We have, we have made preparations and provisions for things we had never thought possible before. And now we stand here today and we think, well, a few weeks ago, America has the best medical technology and healthcare in the world. What possibly could we not conquer? And yet one virus has caused worldwide calamity. And so our hope is not in our military. Our trust is not in our healthcare system. Our confidence is not in our elected officials. We should pray for them. We should ask God to give them wisdom. We should thank God for the blessing of a wonderful military and for the blessing of wonderful healthcare. But can I tell you something? Our hope and our trust is in Jesus alone. Our heart has to be settled and our, our, our heart anchored and our hope anchored in God. That is the only place where we will find true peace. And so, as Jabez prayed that the hand of God would be with him, I'm just going to reach up my hands, and, and we can't touch, but you can reach your hands this way as I reach my hands that way. And we can pray together today. I want to pray that God's hand would be with you. I want to pray that you would recognize the hand of God in your life and that we would say, God, let no evil befall us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every person who is watching today, every person who you're speaking to their heart. You are turning a many number, a multitude to you, even during this time. And as I reach my hands forward and they reach theirs, we do this as a point of contact, not of physical contact, but of spiritual faith in you. We recognize that your hand is upon us and that we have called humbly for you to be our help in our time of need. We thank you for everyone that is turning to you. And we say that our hope is in Jesus alone. Amen. I want you to know something. This church is praying for you. This church loves you. I'm praying for you. And I love you. And you are not alone.